On this week's show, Amazon takes their turn under the spotlight in Europe for holding seller funds. Etsy adds some gift registries, and I sell a bunch of books. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 213 of the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan. And we've got a little bit of reselling news and a whole bunch of books. Uh, it was another really good week if you're following me over on Instagram, shameless plug, at Galaxy CDs Rocks, my weekly recap. It was the first time in a long, long while that I actually sold more listings than I created new listings. So uh, we got a bunch of stuff to go over in the back half of the show for those uh, book lovers among you. Uh, but let's get started with some reselling news. News updates. So, was it just last week <laughs> uh, that we were talking about uh, in the UK? BBC did a expose. Maybe it was two weeks ago now on Etsy holding seller funds, and Etsy finally making some changes, or at least announcing that they were going to make some changes to that policy to allow sellers to get their funds earlier. This past week, it was Amazon's turn uh, to face the wrath of the BBC over in Europe. Amazon sellers fear going under as site withholds cash. Hundreds of Amazon sellers have complained that the online marketplace is withholding their money, with some saying they could go out of business. Vinyl and CD seller Mario told the BBC Amazon is holding £5,000, leaving him shaken and panicked and fearing he can no longer continue trading. Some sellers, they note have written to their MPs to ask for help. That's their kind of the equivalent here in the U.S. of their congressman. Uh, Amazon said its policy was designed to make sure there were sufficient funds to cover returns or customer claims. Doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what uh, Etsy's point was on this as well. Under the policy, Amazon said it was holding money for seven days after the delivery date following a sale, which is pretty crazy. Once the thing's already been delivered, you would think they would go ahead and release those funds. It introduced the policy back in 2016, but in August of this year, extended it in the EU and the UK to sellers who had been registered prior to that point. So now everybody has fallen under this new policy. As far as I can tell, this is not something that's in, in place in the US. If you can, I don't sell on Amazon, so if you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but this looks like it's a UK, EU issue only at this point. Mario went on to say his money had been frozen on the 3rd of August and he's unable to withdraw any for maintaining daily operations. I'm losing my company, he said. I've never had a problem with my payments before. How can I feed my family and pay my bills? He told the BBC when he emailed Amazon Sellers Customer Service, he received a generic stock message. He showed the BBC posts on the Amazon Seller Forum where there are hundreds of complaints from people who have had their money withheld since the 3rd of August. Daniel Moore has a business called Ink Jungle that sells ink cartridges. He has 170,000 pounds in reserve, and it is increasing by 40,000 pounds a day, he said. The value they will be holding from us is disproportionately high versus the potential refunds processed by customer returns or non-delivery, he said. That would be my biggest concern with this. If it was based on 
you as a seller and your average rate of return by dollar volume compared to your total sales volume, that would make total sense. If you have 5% of your total sales come back in return, I would be all good with these sites, frankly, holding 5% in reserve just to cover those kind of things. Uh, But they're holding 100% of the money for seven days. And that to me is just excessive. Uh, You can let me know if you're watching on YouTube uh, by leaving a comment down below. Or you can email me, of course, at galaxycds at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts on that. But I just find that incredibly excessive. Uh, This fellow's company turns over about 16 million pounds annually on Amazon, and he employs more than 20 people on staff. He said the withheld funds would mean he would be unable to pay his 191,000 pound VAT bill, which was due Last week, Michelle, 32, from Cheltenham, has been selling pet products for more than 10 years. She told the BBC the company is holding 16,000 pounds of her takings. She took out an 18,000-pound loan from Amazon Lending to help keep her business running, which she was expecting to receive straight away. But she was told by Amazon she could not access the loan for two weeks, making things very challenging indeed for cash flow. Again, uh, (laughs) Amazon has put forth this lending service to try to help these people out, but the the money's not available for a longer time period than the actual hold. So it's essentially pointless <laughs> at that point. Uh, we employ 13 members of staff, and this is crippling our business, she said. The small business commissioner over there, Liz Barkley, said many sellers had told her office they were being offered loans by Amazon at interest rates of around 14% to help them manage cash flow while they waited for funds to come through. The sellers, of course, say they're being lent their own money at high interest, but for some, the alternative, unfortunately, was insolvency. We need big firms to understand, she said, that delaying small payments to small firms can have a massive negative impact and everyone loses. She added that with bank processing times, many sellers are facing up to a 14-day window with no income, no cash flow coming in. The challenges, as I mentioned at the beginning of this bit, uh, are similar to those faced by Etsy sellers after that marketplace began withholding 75% of their funds for around 45 days. Hundreds of sellers complained and Etsy last week reduced the amount it was withholding. I still have not had any holds and I've not had anybody reach out to me to tell me what the new percentage is. Etsy is saying it's less. I don't know how much less. So much like... Etsy did. Uh, Amazon quickly changed their tune following seller complaints. Amazon has started releasing some seller funds back to them after many UK and EU sellers complained of the money being held unexpectedly. Now, Amazon claims for their part that they did send out an announcement. Many sellers said that the announcement either went to their spam or their junk folders or that it was written in such a way that it was almost impossible to tell what was actually happening I don't know. Again, I don't sell over there and I'm not obviously in Europe. I'm in America. So I didn't I didn't get any of this stuff. But it sounds like this was announced sometime in advance, but in a fairly poor way by Amazon. Amazon has since now told some sellers it's going to delay these temporary holds on money until January of 2024. So this policy is not going away. It's merely being delayed. Uh, one seller said, um, Uh, Daniel Moore, who we just spoke about, had 230,000 pounds frozen ultimately and said Amazon were only delaying our anguish. So they've essentially kicked the can down the road a little bit on this. Hopefully, since this won't go into effect 
until January. Sellers will get through Q4 and have some additional funds on hand so that that cash flow crunch when this thing does go into place will not be so acute. This is not a great time of year for that to be happening for a lot of sellers. So again, if you're listening over in the EU or in the UK and this has impacted you, please let me know in the comments down below what your process was and what you're going to do going forward uh, to help get through this because it is going to come back again in January. And let me know if your funds have actually been released. Uh, This article doesn't really say some sellers apparently had access to their money and others still did not. So not real pretty over at Amazon, just mere weeks after the same thing on Etsy. On to what hopefully is a little better news. Amazon is reporting reportedly testing generative AI tools for sellers. They're testing an AI tool that generates titles and descriptions for product listings. eBay, interestingly, just rolled this out, um, added it to their mobile app within the last week. I've tried it a few times. Some of the some of the verbiage that's being used by the AI is a little bit over the top. Not every book is a rare and exquisite find. <laughs> and I find that kind of language popping up quite a bit in the listings. So it's a little bit over the top still, but it is, it does do a fairly good job. Uh, this tool over on Amazon is aimed at minimizing manual effort, but does still require human oversight for compliance. And that would be one thing that I did note using the one on eBay as well. It is not 100% accurate. It's based on a lot of information that eBay has stored, uh, for instance, with the ISBN numbers of a book, as I've commented on several times on this podcast and particularly over on my Instagram account, their ISBN file, that database is all but worthless. There is so much bad information in there from wrong publishing dates to wrong publishers to wrong authors. I mean, it is an absolute mess. And that seems to be what it's using to generate the AI product listings. So you definitely, if you start using that, well, the idea is that it will save you time and effort. You still have got to double check everything because they're not, I'm finding at least, that they're not uh, super accurate. Now, that, of course, is on eBay, not on Amazon. If you've had this made available to you over on Amazon, let us know how it's working for you. Uh, this new tool first reported by the information allows merchants to generate titles, descriptions, and bullet points for products. Sellers can enter keywords that describe their product and the AI responds with a potential title and details for the listing. The tool is only being tested currently with a limited number of sellers. Despite, as I just mentioned, the promise of reducing copywriting efforts, Amazon emphasizes that the tool won't replace human review and editing. Amazon has strict guidelines for product descriptions to ensure that details are reviewed for compliance by Amazon. These policies cover everything with relevant style guides to avoiding using HTML, JavaScript, or offensive content. Sellers, they note, must accurately describe their products, avoid creating duplicate pages for existing products, and adhere to specific guidelines for variations and listing styles, including character limits for product titles. The rules also... They note strictly regulate the content allowed in titles, descriptions, bullet points, or images, ensuring they remain free from inappropriate content, personal contact information, promotional material, or time-sensitive information. I'm not a programmer. I don't know how AI works, but you would think they would have their AI set up so that it would not violate their own company guidelines, but I I don't know. (laughs) It just seems like something that you would try to do. 
launching this tool, this article says, could give Amazon sellers a distinct advantage over competitors by reducing the time spent writing product descriptions. Improved product descriptions, assuming they are accurate, could lead to more sales and reduced returns. However, they note not everything is smooth sailing. The slow adoption compared to other e-commerce companies could indicate potential challenges in implementing AI solutions efficiently. So I don't, if you're on Amazon uh, and you have gotten an opportunity to test this AI generation, uh, let us know how it's working out for you. Like I said, my experience on eBay, pretty hit or miss. I'm probably using well less than half of them. In some cases, if I'm doing like a lot of two or three books, I'm not even attempting to do it because I know it's not going to get that right. Uh, But for individual titles, I have been trying it and making some edits, doing the edits. Ultimately, I don't know that it makes any faster for me, but um, it's it's something new to try. So let us know if you're using it over on Amazon. Uh, Amazon is also going to reopen Seller Fulfilled Prime. This is something uh, that's going to go back into effect uh, in October. Uh, Sellers, however, are wary of a 2% fee, which apparently is new. Amazon will reopen Seller Fulfilled Prime service to new merchants on October 1st of this year. The company announced last Tuesday, back in June, it announced its intention to reopen the program, quote unquote, later this year. In the announcement, Amazon reminded sellers that it first launched Seller Fulfilled Prime back in 2015 and said as the program grew, we realized that SFP was not providing the same high quality experience that customers would expect from Prime. So it paused the program. They are excited to be at the point where we will now reopen the program to new seller enrollment on October 1st. To start a 30-day trial, sellers, you must meet the following program requirements. You have to have a domestic U.S. address as your default shipping address. You have to have an Amazon professional selling account. You have to meet the following criteria over the past 90 days. Self-fulfilled at least 100 packages with a cancellation rate of less than 2% with a valid tracking rate of greater than 95% and a late shipment rate of less than 4%. Fairly standard, I would think, for most uh, self-fulfilling sellers. Only sellers who are signed into Amazon can view the full details about the cost, but one seller responding to the announcement wrote that Amazon is introducing a 2% additional fee, additional fee, they noted, For any ASIN enrolled in this program, general information about the program is available on a landing page where sellers can add their name to a waiting list. Sellers again wished the program were available on a regional basis to make it easier to meet the strict shipping deadlines required by the program with one seller commenting, bring back regional prime settings. For example, if a seller is on the East Coast, they should be allowed to offer prime shipping within a two-day radius of their shipping location while not offering prime shipping to the West Coast. With regional prime settings, customers benefit from faster shipping speeds and sellers benefit by offering prime shipping only within an affordable delivery area, enforcing nationwide prime shipping to small businesses that cannot maintain a national delivery network negatively impacts both customers and sellers. I, again, I don't sell on Amazon, but I absolutely agree with that sentiment. If you happen to be like me and you live in the Midwest, you're probably in good shape. But if you are on one of the coasts meeting, for instance, a two-day delivery window to someone in California from Florida is going to be very, very difficult to do, which will, of course, hurt your metrics in this program. Again, if you are an Amazon seller, uh, let us know if you intend to participate in this program. 
Moving on to eBay,、uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about eBay and their ongoing efforts to kind of decertify a new union with TCG Player, who they had just acquired fairly recently. Last week, the National Labor Relations Board rejected eBay's attempt to stop the workers in the Syracuse office from joining the union. Uh, the NLRB voted on Thursday and rejected eBay's request that it to invalidate rather the March 10th vote by workers at eBay-owned TCG Player in Syracuse to unionize. The board said the company raised no substantial issues warranting review of the 136 to 87 vote by workers in favor of joining Communications Workers of America Local 1123. The vote by workers in the authentication center on South Warren Street was the first successful union. Unions, you、uh, easy for me to say. Unionization effort at eBay, which、uh, bought TCG Player back in October of last year for two hundred and ninety-five million dollars. eBay, for their part, objected to twenty-six operations leads being allowed to participate in the voting, contending that those folks were supervisors and not eligible to be part of a union. They said the vote was tainted by the participation of those leads, and the company asked the board to set aside the results of the vote. And order a new one to be held without those leads participating. The union said that they urged the board to reject the company's request. That said, operations leads actually have no supervisory duties, and besides, their votes could not have made the difference because because the union's margin of victory was forty nine votes, which was more than the number of these supposedly、uh, interfering operation leads. So, eBay is going to have to continue to deal with this. I don't know what their next steps are. But they're going to have to, as I talked about in that episode a couple of weeks ago, when I first started talking about this, they're going to have to get this sorted out because、uh, labor is particularly strong right now.、Uh, eBay, if this will come up here, here we go. Listing your sneakers just got faster with our new in-app flow. This one, I'm not sure about. Our simplified listing flow for sneakers is now available in the eBay app and integrated into the quick listing tool. Listing sneakers just got easier with faster pre-filled item specifics, streamlined shipping options, and photo and condition guidance for five of the most popular sneaker brands in the men's and women's athletic shoe categories: Nike, Jordan, Adidas, Converse, and Reebok. However, the simplified listing flow for sneakers is not yet available for sellers who use Seller Hub, opt into the new listing tool, have an eBay store subscription, or activate business policies. I would think that would eliminate probably ninety plus percent <laughs> of sellers on eBay. I can't imagine people not being involved in one of those categories: a store subscription or business policies. I, it just seems like this has got to be a very, very limited window of population that actually has access to this. They say they will update us、uh, as they expand eligibility and participation in this new tool. So, if you're a sneaker seller, I guess let us know if you have access to it, but based on that list of exclusions, I'm guessing most people probably do not.、Uh, eBay announced also that they are uh, uh, providing seller protections for a range of folks due to storms in the United States. There have been a, a big batch of severe storms and some really bad weather, but they also announced. That they are offering protection for victims of the just massive devastation, the wildfires in Maui in Hawaii. If you've not seen that on the news, it is an absolute mess over there. 
lots of destruction, unfortunately, a significant number of deaths. I believe what I heard earlier today was it is the largest loss of life in a wildfire in the United States in over a century. It's like 93 people as of the time I record this. So it is a bad, bad situation. My heart goes out. Thoughts for all the people in Hawaii that are having to deal with this situation. It is an absolute mess over there. But eBay has announced that they are providing seller protections for those folks. Wildfires on the islands of Maui and Hawaii have prompted evacuations, power outages, and road closures. eBay will be automatically protecting your seller performance if your business is impacting impacted rather including your late shipment rate your valid tracking upload rate i have not received cases due to delivery as long as you uploaded tracking before the case was opened and have a physical scan and defects resulting from transactions you had to cancel given the amount of destruction over there if you had inventory in one of these areas my best guess is it's probably a total loss from the photos and the video footage i've seen it is just completely wiped out in sections of Maui. So again, my thoughts go out to the people of Hawaii. Um, I assume there are probably places where you can donate if you would like to do that. I strongly encourage anybody who can to do so. Uh, They add they will also be making necessary adjustments to delivery date estimates and remove any associated negative or neutral feedback. These cases will not impact your service metrics rating for items not received. Our primary concern is for the safety of our community. So again, as always, kudos to eBay for getting out in front of this. But um, again, thoughts to the people over in Maui. And lastly, in the news this week, uh, Etsy announced new gift registries. This article on e-commerce bites. And as always, these will all be linked in the show notes and the video description down below. Are they going to help sellers? Someone searches for a baby item on Etsy every second, the company said, in announcing its new gift and baby gift registries this week. These two new registries follow May's relaunch of their wedding registry that was first launched back in 2012. Etsy sent an email to shoppers back on August 9th announcing two new registries for you. The email stated, big news. Gifting on Etsy just got better. We're introducing two new types of registries. Etsy gift registry for you to share what you really want with friends and family. And Etsy baby registry for anyone in your life expecting a little one. So start picking out some presents today. Etsy's resident trend expert, Dana Isom-Johnson, announced the new registries in a post where she wrote about top baby and nursery trends of 2023, writing, This new offering allows current and expecting parents to easily register on Etsy for meaningful and personalized baby kids and nursery gifts from makers all around the world. So I don't expect that for somebody like me, who's a bookseller primarily on Etsy, that this is going to be a big deal. But if you are an artisan, selling handmade, handcrafted items over on Etsy. This could be potentially really good. There apparently is no way for knowing as a seller if a particular person has registered to have things on a registry. You'll be able to apparently see that people have added items watched uh, or liked over there, but they're not going to provide you with specific details about how many people have registered. So, Again, good stuff going on over at Etsy. They keep trying new and different things, and I give them credit uh, for doing so. So that's going to wrap up the news. As I mentioned, it was a crazy busy week last week, and we've got a really big What Sold recap. So let's get right into it. (laughs) 
So lots of books and still more books and uh, just a really, really good week last week. So this is two weeks in a row of really, really good business this week was higher sales transaction volume. I did way more, sold way more listings, but the average ticket was quite a bit less. Uh, but all in all, a fantastic two weeks here as we get ready for kind of back to school. This first item sold over on eBay, the essays of Michelle de Montaigne, the complete in one volume edition from A.L. Burt Company. Uh, this is from, I want to say the early 1900s. I had it listed for $24.99 plus media mail shipping. It sold on a best offer of $20. This was part of a big lot of books that I own for about a nickel. Uh, another book from that lot. This one was a pretty unusual piece. I couldn't find any comps on this. I originally ran this at an auction a couple of months ago and didn't get any bites on it. The Journey of a Nation, The Miracle of Jewish Survival. It's a student textbook, uh, trade paperback, in pretty nice condition. This was part of an estate buy that I did. I own this book for about 50 cents. Like I said, I ran it at an auction. It didn't get any views. It didn't get any bids, nothing. So I just listed it for $24.99 plus shipping. I received an offer of $21, which I went ahead and took. So it, it took a little bit of time to get rid of, and it was really hard to figure out where to price it. But from $0.50 cents to 21 bucks, I will take it. More stuff from that same lot, another 50-cent book, The Jewish State, 1896 to 1946 by Theodore Herzl. This was published by the American Zionist Emergency Council. It's a hardcover from 1946. Again, listed for $24.99 or best offer. It got a watcher. I sent out my standard 15% off offer and sold it for $21.24. A really, really old songbook in not very good condition. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the image. The cover is almost unreadable. It is so worn. But this was the Lowell Mason New Carmina Sacra or Boston Collection of Church Music. It was published way back in 1852. It is literally a songbook with hymns from that era. Uh, I had this thing listed for $49.99 or best offer. I've had it for a long, long time. I'm actually running some stuff right now at 50 and 60% off, just trying to get some traction and move some old inventory out. So this thing ultimately went for $24.99 plus shipping. Uh, I own it for a dollar from a estate sale pickup probably two and a half years ago. So I've had it for a very long time, but ultimately got 25 bucks out of it. Yet more books, Nancy Schoonmaker and Doris Fielding Reed, We Testify, from 1941. It's a hardcover published by Smith and Durrell. It's another book I've had for a long, long time. My cost of goods was a buck. It's another one I had listed for $49.99. This is in my 40% off sale this month. It was $29.99 plus shipping. I received an offer of $27 on it. For another $3 off, I went ahead and sold this thing and got it out of here. So just kind of speaking of my sales this month, I'm running, I, I run old inventory on sale. I've talked about this previously kind of every month, and I usually just lump it all into one batch, 30% off, 20% off, whatever I'm feeling like doing in a particular month. But this month I tried something different. So my oldest inventory, stuff that is essentially been in my inventory for, I think it ended up being about 1,200 days or longer. I actually have at 60% off this month, 
And then I just kind of fell back 250 or 300 days at a time to 50% off, 40% off, and 30% off for anything that has been in my inventory for longer than one year. So I've got multiple tiers of sales from 30 to about 60% off running right now. And it has generated a pretty significant number of sales. So I, I talked about it in my kind of summer slowdown episode. If you're not running a promotion and you've got some old dead inventory, definitely think about running some stuff on sale particularly if you buy like me where you buy big lots of stuff that you've long since made your money and this stuff is just taking up space and it is essentially free money when it sells, um, go ahead and run some deals and get this stuff moving. Uh, this book I just picked up not too long ago at an estate sale. I paid $2 for this big paperback, The Recognitions by William Gaddis. It was the first edition, second printing Meridian books from 1963. Had it listed for $34.99 plus shipping, got a watcher and a 15% off offer, was sent out, sold for $29.74. Another book I've had for less than a year but quite some time, High Adventure in Tibet by David V. Plymeyer from 1983. It's a Trinity print and press. It was an illustrated book. It was a biography of... This writer's father, who apparently was a missionary in Tibet way, way back in like the 19-teens and 1920s, picked this up in an estate sale for a dollar, had it listed for $29.99 plus shipping and sold for full price. Another fairly old book, uh, children's book, children's fiction, Boy with a Pack by Stephen W. Meter, illustrated hardcover and ex-library edition from Harcourt. From 1939, this was part of the current 30% off offering. It was $44.99. After the discount, it went for $31.49 plus media mail shipping. Again, lots of lots of those sale items going out. Old car manuals, sometimes like the old Chilton guides, every now and then some of them are pretty good, but some of the original OEM guides can be can be pretty good. This is a 1980 Toyota Celica repair manual from the United States and Canada Shop Service Publications. It's the original, actual, honest-to-goodness Toyota Service Shop manual. It's a pretty big book. Again, from 1980, I picked it up in an estate sale. This was or rather a garage sale. This was part of the bunch of books I bought for like a dollar and fifteen cents. Sold it for full price, $34.99 plus, again, media mail shipping. So if you see especially older vintage OEM manuals, might be worth taking a couple of minutes to look them up in the app. First sale over on Etsy this week. I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago. I sold the big, big Webster's Dictionary. Here is another one. It's not quite as big as the last one. Uh, and I don't think this one was quite as old either. I'm pretty sure this was from the 1940s, but it was the Complete and Unabridged Little and Ives Webster Dictionary and Home Reference Library. This is another probably five-inch thick book. It is a massive, massive dictionary. I picked this up at an estate sale as part of a, a bulk purchase. I got about two bucks in this thing. It sold for $44.99 plus, again, customer paid shipping. Here's an author that you might want to be on the lookout for, Doris Miles Disney. I spoke uh, last week about an estate sale that I was at that had a bunch of old vintage kind of detective and mystery novels. This was from that lot. This is a book I paid $2 for. 
Count the Ways. It was published by Doubleday as part of their Crime Club series. It was a first printing hardcover from 1949. With its dust jacket and in good shape, this is probably a $70 book. This one did not have its dust jacket and was not in particularly good shape. So I listed it for $54.99 plus shipping. Received an offer of $47, which I clearly went ahead and accepted. (laughs) I've talked about these a few times in the past, and I've got another buyer who has found me on these old science fiction digests, uh, worlds of if science fiction, galaxy science fiction, and so on, uh, analog, all of these old digests. I've still got, I bought about 800 of these a few years ago. Some of them I've sold individually. Some of them I've sold in lots. Some of them brought really good money because they had original first publications by particular science fiction or fantasy authors. Some of them, however, are 4 or $5 kind of things. And this person spent a total of $71.84 on a total of 15 of these science fiction digests. Uh, I know I've mentioned it before, but if I found another big lot of these, I would absolutely snap them up. They still do really, really well. These were from the 1960s, the 1970s. I don't think this particular purchase had any from as far back as the 50s, but those are worth pretty good money as well. Here's a really old book. The World to Come, or Discourses on the Joys or Sorrows, Volume 1 by Isaac Watts. This book was from 1811. I mentioned a couple of months ago that I had bought a stack of books that had been rebound in custom leather binding. It was the first day of the estate sale. I paid six bucks a piece for these, which is way more than I normally like to pay for books, but that they were all roughly $50 or higher, looked like sale prices. This was the most expensive of the batch. It also took the longest to sell, but I had it listed for $99.99 or best offer. Received an offer of $80 on it, so it went on its way. Um, Again, I talk about old religious books pretty regularly. This is another one of those, and it brought really terrific money. And now your flip of the week. Yet one more book. Never Make Fun of a Turtle, My Son by Martin Gardner and John Alcorn. This was a hardcover with its dust jacket from 1969, a second printing. I had it listed for $99.99. I got an offer of $84.99, which I went ahead and took. I've owned this for about three and a half cents from the big 15,000 book lot. If this was a first printing and was in better physical condition, it's probably... or $200 book all day, but second printing in less than pristine shape was still worth 85 bucks, which is a really handy flip from three and a half cents. (laughs) Uh, And that's going to wrap the what sold and that's going to wrap the show this week. I hope everybody is doing well. I'm I'm seeing mixed reports as is usually the case. It seems like when one seller is doing well, another seller is not doing well. I see some people talking about eBay in particular being super slow for them right now. That has not been the case for me the last couple of weeks. Knock wood. I hope that continues. If you're going through a slow time, uh, maybe go back and catch my summer slowdown episode and see if there's some ideas in there that might help you kind of overcome the slowness. Um, My business, since I started doing some of those things, has really been really strong. And the last couple of weeks in particular has been fantastic. So with that... I'm going to close for the week. Hope you're all uh, doing well, staying safe, and now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. 
You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.